0: You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast, presented by Pat's Pulpit.
1: All right. Welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast. We have a special episode. Obviously, we're going to be in, uh, previewing the Cardinals, but we're going to start with an interview with a recurring guest at this point, uh, <laughs> a guy that we had a blast talking to before. He is the founder of GoLongTD.com. He also wrote The Blood and Guts, uh, which is a just a fantastic book that we've already talked about. Ty Dunn, thanks so much for coming back on, man. We appreciate it.
2: Matt, Pat. It is a pleasure to be here. I got to say, Pat, you gave me hope with all things the blood and guts when we talked way back when, when you said that you were already like half the way through the book and you've got yep. three kids, you're a math teacher, you got all this <laughs> stuff going on and you're finding time to read about, you yep. know, Ben Coates and Rob Gronkowski. So that meant a lot. Appreciate it.
0: Oh, I, of course, man. I can tell you that book is going to end up in a couple family members uh, mm-hmm. under their trees in a couple mm-hmm. weeks here. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Get that, That's great here, right. here, Matt.
1: You get that right. And, and not to, not to, you know, we'll get right into it, but uh, go, if you subscribe to golongtd.com, you're going to send everyone that subscribes, does a yearly subscription, right? You're going to send everyone that does a yearly subscription, a free book.
2: I appreciate it, Pat. That's right. We got to, I'm, I'm, I'm trying Come to on. work on the marketing techniques, but you got to hit it at the top, right? That's mm-hmm. what we got to do. Um. So I've got this big Matthew Judon story. Uh, coming tomorrow morning, Friday morning. I sat down with Judon. We're going to talk about it, obviously, Yep. Uh, for an hour right at Gillette. So, yeah, if there's Patriot fans out there that want to read that story in full, I think it came in at about 7,000 words or so, so you'll get your money's worth there, I promise you. Uh, you'll get that. You'll get everything at goalongt.com and if it's an annual membership, uh, we'll, we'll link up and I'll send you a signed copy of the blood and guts. How to look
1: so, at that. I mean, of, come on, a lot
2: of Gronk, a <laughs> lot of coats, a lot of Bill Belichick, right? I mean, he That's really true. is a, a godfather at the position. So, um, yeah, Patriot fans. Thank you so much for, for finding go long.
1: It's very true. It's very true. So let's get into this Judon story because I think it's really interesting and he's, he's really a fascinating guy. I mean, obviously we see the production on the field, right? I think I, I don't, I think I wouldn't be alone. In saying that I was very nervous when the Patriots signed him to a long-term deal, right? Because the last time the Patriots signed a outside linebacker, you know, D-end hybrid from the Ravens to a big contract, it was a Adelius Thomas and it ended up being a complete disaster, right? And so Judon plays great at the beginning of uh, the year last year, obviously gets these, you know, defensive player of the year award, you know, this buzz and then falls off at the end of the year, right? And then he starts out so hot again this year. And I think what I love about Judon, and he, I I want you to talk about his mindset. What I love about him is that he has been since the beginning of the season, really even since the off season, has been talking about how he tailed off at the end of last year, and he has to figure out a way not to have that happen again. He's going to do everything in his power to not have that happen again. And the fact that he owned it so much, and not to say, oh yeah, you know they schemed me out, or or the the defense didn't call for it, whatever. He took a hundred percent responsibility for it. And said it's not gonna happen again this year. And I think that I, I just love seeing that and that mentality from him. And uh it I'm I've just been impressed with him overall, you know?
2: I tell you what, he, he was such a refreshing pro football player to talk to and to hang out with for, for the time that we did, where it's real, it's authentic, there there's no BS, there's no cliches, nothing's like massaged or cushioned or you know, it's not it's not like he's got all these. Voices in his head telling him, don't say that, right. say that, don't say like, no, like what you see is what you get. And I think that's really why I gravitated toward him. He, here is somebody that we talked a lot about tight end saving the sport, right? Gronk and coats and how that position does it. Well, if we're going to talk about a defensive player. This is somebody that says he's going to kick your ass. He kicks your ass. And then he talks about how much he kicked your ass, which to me is what football is all about, <laughs> right? To its core, to his essence, it is a ruthless, violent game. I think he understands that as well as anybody that I've talked to. So yeah, it was refreshing and it doesn't surprise me at all. If he's being that honest about how things kind of ended last season, right? The numbers back it up. I know he hasn't had, you know, sacks the last two games. He does have some quarterback hits. And I do right. think that this time, a lot of it, not to get too far in the exit and no you know, weeds, that teams are running away from him, throwing away from him, double teaming right. him. So you know, we we got into everything he did with this body to make sure that doesn't happen again. I, I think that he still has a lot of juice, you know, in, in the tank here to give New England's defense.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and you're right about the scheming up. And I think that that's where it comes. And we've seen Josh Uche now the last few weeks kind of come on and have a few sacks. And that's where it, te- it comes from. Now other guys got to step up. Because now if Uche is going to consistently dominate his guy, if you leave him one-on-one, now you got to make a decision. Well, OK, well, we obviously want to chip Judon, but if we don't pay attention to Ushay, then he's going to kill us. So now what do we do? We're going to have to leave Judon one on one every now and again. And when we do, if he beats our guy, then we're just screwed and there's nothing we could do about it. Right. And so that's one of those things. I always I look back at a guy like J.J. Watt, who was always so dominant for the Texans and he could never get a sack against the Patriots because the Patriots would just say, no, nope, we're just going to take We're just going to take J.J. Watt away. If we got to block him with three guys, we'll block him with three guys. He's not going to beat us and we're just going to bet that the other guys on the defensive line can't beat us, right, because we know how good he is. And so, you know, that's kind of what's happening in Judon right now, and you're seeing a little bit of Uche step up. You're not seeing much else, but you're seeing Uche step up a little bit. If they can do that more consistently, now it opens up Judon to to do even more. I do think one thing I've been impressed about him, and, and you know, I'm curious if he said anything about, about this as well, but, like, he's been good in the running game too, and even when they've ran at him, still in the last few games he's been solid in the run game and so you think about these dns as guys that just go after the passer and just attack the passer and you look at this at the at the sack numbers but you know it, it's the it's the play against the run that's really impressed me the most i think and I, I don't know if he's if he talked about if you guys talked about that but i was i am mean, i've been impressed with that at least this this these past two years
2: yeah he's just he's just relentless in every aspect of his, his life, let alone his game. I I think that's what stands out more than anything. This is somebody who, you know, I, am going to just pull up i I'll pull up a quote here (laughs) from our, from the story that definitely popped. It's part of a larger quote, but he said, for those 60 minutes, man, I don't give up about you. I don't care. I don't care nothing about you for those 60 minutes. It's all about, The people who wear the same color as me, we band as a tribe, as a group of men together for those 60 minutes. That's my main goal. Hit as many people as you can. You have to think they'll do it to me. It's a killer be killed method. Modern day gladiators. I really think he's just, you know, whatever it is against the run against the pass. He's just like hell bent for election. Just going to try to wreak havoc. If this is somebody who he he was a running back growing up and he got into this in his upbringing, you know, in uh, about 30 minutes outside of Detroit, he didn't like to tackle. He didn't like physical contact, which is kind of crazy to think when you look at his play style today. But up until ninth grade, he never even played defense. He he liked having the ball and running away from people. So, you know, it's kind of strange to think. And then a coach told him, hey, you're tall, you're skinny, you're long, play defensive end, like go this route, and it worked out. But looking back, it kind of hit him in our conversation. He's like, man, the fact that I never had to learn how to fundamentally form tackle kind of helped me because I'm just looking to hit anything that moves. Right. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, that's kind of how he plays right yeah. he's just chasing guys down from behind i was just looking back at all of his sacks uh this past season it's crazy you don't see anybody defensively from any position just chase down justin fields lamar jackson yeah. like he has um two he had a second him right up the gut so yeah I, I think that's the big question mark is can he can he pick that back up can he get those rushes in bunches because that's kind of how it works with judon you know when he was in Baltimore in 2018, mm-hmm. he had those three sacks on three consecutive plays—the first time that happened in the NFL in 12 years. And uh, you know whether it's Dietrich Wise, uh, Josh Uche, they both kind of reference the fact that with with Matt Judon, everything happens in bunches. Like he gets onto this this Michael Jordan like, Kobe Bryant like, as Why said, like just zone where right. he cannot be stopped, and he's that competitive that if the Patriots are going to do anything here at six and six. They've got a chance. Arizona, Vegas, those are two winnable games to get to eight and six. I think it's going to come down to that. I think it's going to come down to Judon kind of getting hot, getting in that zone, and just wrecking stuff out there.
0: Yeah. Well, I think beyond that, beyond just the end of this season too, Pat, you mentioned kind of signing him to a long-term deal there. There's some question about Devin McCordy's future with this team. Jonathan Jones is going to be a free agent. There's guys in this defense where you don't know where they're going to be, and you have a guy with that mentality that fills the leadership void on defense. If you, got, if you have a guy that's going to play that hard and that, phys, that physically, it sets the tone for everybody else for the rest of this year and for the years to come.
2: That's a great point because I think he does speak up from time to time. Um, a couple of weeks ago, he said in the linebacker room, he felt a need to kind of speak up and, and ha- had a few words and just kind of taking advantage, maximizing your opportunities, that kind of stuff. But overall, he leaves to talking to the guys that yep. won a Super Bowl. He doesn't, He's looking around and thinking, hey, man, I I haven't won that yet. There's guys here who have not not a lot left. They've had a lot of turnover on that roster, obviously. But if it gets to that point, he's probably going to be. I mean, I think right now he's probably the face of the team. If you're going to try to think of an identity or an emblem or somebody that represents what the Patriots are when they're the best version of themselves as a team, it's probably Matthew Judon, right?
0: Those red sleeves standing out too mm-hmm. kind of helps with that brand. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, every game day, that's what I wear. I got the Judon jersey with the uh, the red sleeves to go underneath it. I love it.
2: Great, great celebration too. I know he stole it from oh, Michael yeah. Crabtree, but you know it's hard to have a trademark, catchy right. celebration that it, it doesn't seem forced, doesn't seem corny. You know, I like right. Just kind of clean it off the twenty four ounce ribeye steak. I, I think it works yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's good. So now you sat down with him. You also sat down with some other players to talk about him, right? So can you just kind of yep. shed some light on? Obviously, we don't get too far into it because people got to go to Golongtd.com and and read it. <laughs> um, but you know, can you just shed some light on on some of the things that some of the Patriots guys had to say about him?
2: So I'd say the the whole point of the story is this is a throwback, old school football purist who understands what football is right. Violent game played by violent people. Hey, guess what? There's going to be some toxic masculinity out there. Tough deal with it. If if you've got it, you've got to think that way when you're on a football field. He, and he does. I I think that the story is okay. Like let's, let's go into Matthew Judon's world. He takes us in that dimension. This is what it looks like when you're in his dark lair. And to do that, I, I caught up with a bunch of people, you know, from grand Valley state to new England. And, You know, Grand Valley State, I don't think people realize the D2 life, how that can make anybody, let alone Matthew Judon. I mean, they had games in the Upper Peninsula. And so for those who don't really know the area, I I lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin for a while. So if you went straight north, you'd hit Lake Superior. You'd get to the UP. Well, you know, where Grand Valley State was, to play those two teams up in the UP, it was a 10-hour bus ride, an eight-and-a-half-hour bus ride. And they would... You know, they'd play their game and they'd immediately come all the way back. So, if it was a night kickoff, you're talking Mm -hmm. about getting back at 8, 9 a.m. the next day and they're watching like the whole Rambo series on the way up. And you're either going to like hate each other as a team or love each other. There's like no in between. If you're stuck on a bus with 40, 50 guys, oh, yeah. uh, So, I I think that was weird. Like, they didn't have training tables. They still don't have training tables. And he tore his ACL and he really gets into that moment where, in 2013, when he tore his ACL and he lost football, look, a lot of guys do that. I've, I've talked to TJ Watt. He credits that moment at Wisconsin when he had his injury. He lost football. He's a tight end. He doesn't really know what's going to happen as the pivotal moment in his life. It's like that with Matthew Judon, only you know he didn't have trainers and coaches yeah. and, and people all around him at a 2 D D2 school to help him through his rehab. It was just him <laughs> rehabbing, doing the yeah. wall sits, learning to walk again, learning to run again, so... I think that isolation in a way kind of created the monster that we see today.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. And it's really, I mean, you talk about a guy that like Grand Valley State is just, is nothing. It's a nothing school. And, you know, to come from a place like that, obviously, I think he had, what, 20 sacks his senior year there. I mean, so he was obviously dominant. But to come from a place like that and to, you know, because you remember now, Kyle, Kyle Duggar is coming from, from a small D2 school as well. But he was a second round draft pick, right? That's not Matthew Judon's story, right? Matthew Judon's not that guy. So, like, to come from that from obscurity to a guy who gets a huge contract, you know, in in really a second deal, um, maybe it was maybe well, I guess it was a second deal, yeah. right after his rookie deal, right? right? So he
2: got, he got tagged by Baltimore. It's kind of crazy that they let yeah. these great defensive players leave: C.J. Mosley, Darius Smith, yeah, Matthew. It's, I mean, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the environment that creates. And fosters and right. just accentuates these beasts on that side of the ball, but they don't they don't keep them. And we talked about that as well. And I, I got the feeling that Judon is a little pissed still to this day that it didn't work out there.
1: Yeah, I don't blame him. I mean, I, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, "What, I'm not good enough for you?" Right? You know what I mean? So, and, and as a fan, there's a, there's a lot of Red Sox fans that can that can uh, that can attest to that. Right? As a fan, it's it's not very it's not very uh, appealing as well when you grow guys from you know, that you drafted or signed as, you know, as undrafted guys. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, they're good now. So we're going to go get, get them paid somewhere else. It's just kind of, it's frustrating. Even if you can keep building those guys up as the, as the Ravens have done, it's still like, well, we could have all of these guys on one team. How
0: good would that be? You know? So. And I, I did a Ravens podcast earlier this year and I was kind of, we had a conversation about Judon and a guy forgetting, I'm totally blanking on the name. But he hadn't followed Judon since he left Baltimore, I Was kind of asking about his usage in New England. And it was interesting to get that perspective, to hear the ways that he's being used differently. I didn't realize he was a really good pass coverage guy in Baltimore. They used him a lot on that stuff. They didn't use him quite as much as a pass rusher. So I think that goes sometimes you also you bring in somebody yeah, from the outside yeah. and you you unlock something that the first people didn't necessarily see. Right. Yeah,
2: Wink Martindale does that with his with his front seven, right? There's guys rushing, guys dropping, guys stunting, and it creates all this confusion and all this disruption, and and that's a good thing. But you're if you're just really good at that unbelievable skill of rushing the passer, I mean, why not just send you like
0: more often, right? Just yeah, I mean, just do yeah. it. You're still right. like, being a decoy is dangerous, but you're also still more dangerous just rushing the passer. Which I will say, we saw Judon use – Dropped into coverage a lot last week, I thought, against Baltimore. Or not Baltimore, against Buffalo, which was interesting. Hmm. And against Minnesota. So even in the zone defenses, New England does, he does that. Right. Maybe that's the the, problem, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's one of those things where sometimes it's like, you know, we see the stats on the outside, but it's almost like, what is the coaching staff looking at, right? Does the the coaching staff piss that you're not sacking people? Mm -hmm. Or does the coaching staff understand that, hey, like, we're not sending you on nearly the amount of pass rushing reps that you were getting to start the year. So that's why you're not sacking anyone, you know. So I think that that, you know, that kind of plays into it as well. So it is uh, it is interesting. So now what now in this article, right, what is I think I think you, you kind of hit on it. Right. But what is the if you if I'm going to go longtd.com to read this article, why am I going there to read it? Like what is. What is it about this story that it's like you gotta read this about? And obviously, the people that are listening to us are, are Patriots fans, so obviously they want to know about Matthew Judon. But what is it about this article yeah. that, that, that it's like, hey, you gotta read this?
2: I think beyond the Patriots stuff, which obviously, if you're a Patriots fan, I'd you're probably interested in reading about their best player, learning about their best player. But but to me, it's 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 if you're a fan of pro football, if you're a fan of the sport. If you're a fan of just blocking and tackling and physicality and violence, and you're watching these games and you're losing your damn mind. I know. All right. Yeah. I'd love to know what your listeners really think about that. Damar Hamlin play. Like, okay, I, I get it. It looked ugly, big hit, but to me, yeah. he's immediately ejected for that. Whether it's yeah. that, whether it's DeGrady Grady Jarrett earlier this year uh, on, on Tom Brady. What was the other one? Chris Jones. I mean, they were every about game, five
0: at one weekend. <laughs>
1: Well, the crazy yeah. thing is, the crazy thing is, the Patriots had one that was egregious called against them, and I was like, "That's disgusting. That's one of the worst I've ever seen." Oh, and was- then Matt tweeted to me, and was like, "Yeah, take a look at this one with Grady Jarrett." And I was like, "Yeah, it wasn't what? Even
0: one of the three worst. That was the one and- where Mac Wilson tapped the tapped the face mask face mask of the, of Jared Goff like five right. seconds after the play ended, and they gave him a fifteen yard. It was crazy.
1: It was crazy. And then it's like, you know, and then that was the same one with Brissette, where Brissette got hit. Every two- it was like." So you just can't. I mean, it's insane. It's insane to see it. And Hamlin is a great situation where it's like, that's the rule. So it's a penalty, right? Like, it's a penalty. They're trying to get rid of that. But
2: it shouldn't be a rule, right? That's what's insane about it. Yeah, this. but you he certainly should have been officials. kicked out.
0: I mean, kicked out is insane. Like, no, that's not, only kick, you know. You're only kicking him out there because the game's kind of out of hand. and You're trying to send a message that, right. hey, we're not. Nobody's right. getting hurt in the game that's already basically over. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, to me, it's. To me, if you're trying to hurt someone, if you're out there trying to hurt someone, then you get kicked out. That's like to me, it's like I know it's a physical game and and things happen. But like no one should be trying to hurt the other person on the other side, right? Like we're all professionals yeah. like this. If you're out yeah. there trying to hurt someone, okay, you should be kicked out. But like 99.9% of the hits, the Hamlin hit, he wasn't trying to hurt him. He was just trying to make him drop the ball. You know what I mean? So it's like. And so, you know, it's. I think you can see the intent. When you see the play, I think you can see the intent. That clearly wasn't it. 15-yard penalty? Sure. Is it a soft penalty at this point? Yeah. I mean, I, I know, you know, the CTE discussion is tough because it's like one of those things that's like, I get it. But the physicality isn't where, isn't where it was. You know what I mean? Look,
2: there's an inherent risk when you play this sport. That's what drives right. me insane. Just own the violence, right? Nobody wants CTE. Nobody wants torn ACLs. Nobody wants... Any injuries, any brain damage. But you're never going to just eliminate this stuff as long as it's tackle football. They're trying to find a magical middle ground that just does not exist. And I talked to Judon about this. It doesn't exist. Like, you can try to sell the sport to the moms of America that it's safe. It's not safe. So that's what drives me nuts is, like, it's so disingenuous and it's so wrong and it's threatening the sport itself because over time, if you're a defensive player and you know that, okay, I'm going to get flagged. I'm going to get fined. That's going to slow you down just a tick. And then those split seconds are going to add up. And it's to become a dil- diluted, right. sanitized, disgusting product that doesn't resemble football. It's it's just not. I remember the, this is a long time ago, but like that Matthias Kiwanuka, when he had Vince Young wrapped up and then he like let go. And Vince Young ran for like a big first right. down. He's like yeah. back in Vince Young's like rookie year. But I, like it's going to become like that all the time. The guys are just yeah. on defense. They're not going to know what they can do, when they can do it. So I, I guess I to answer get- your question, like that's that's why I talked to Judon. It's like this is a guy that doesn't give a damn. He doesn't. Right. He's going to wreak havoc. He tells you he's going to wreak havoc, and then that's exactly what he does, and that's the only way that this is going to change, if it's ever going to change.
1: Yeah. Love it. I love it. Matt, do you have something to say? sounded like you were going to say something.
0: Yeah, sorry uh, about no, that, I was, I was rolling. No, another play that was kind of an example of this is that that Eagles-Commanders, uh, was a Monday night game a couple weeks ago that ended with the, the quarterback there, Heineken, kneeling, and then he takes the shot. Oh, that's that's where he he goes down, and right. the defender kind of looks at the ref like, you're going to blow the whistle. The ref doesn't blow the whistle immediately, so then he goes and hits him because you know it's still a live play, and then it's the roughing the passer. And it's like, you can't. You got to pick one cannibals. or the other right. situations like right. that. It's just, yeah. If, it's, if you're in a situation where like the defender can't do something different, then the penalty doesn't work as a deterrent at all. So you're just adding 15 yards onto what is kind of a normal play with an inadvertent result. And that's okay. not, it's not, changing the methodology that goes into it. It's not making the player not injured. It's just sometimes that happens and it sucks. And you invest a lot into resources to protect the players so that they can recover faster and make sure that they're healthy on the back end of that stuff. But it's not flag football. You're
2: right. When a six foot five, 247 pound Josh Allen is running like a locomotive downfield. And you don't know if he's going to lower his shoulder. You don't know if he's going to slide. You don't know if he's going to jump over you. You know what he's gonna do right you have to try to tackle him right you right. can't just quit on the play Lamar Jackson's Barry Sanders in the open field what are you what are you gonna do on him so I just I just totally empathize for what these defensive players are going through and um it's troubling because I feel like you know it's it's what, 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 what's damaging it's not like this sudden change it's not like there's this one massive like the, I mean granted we all lose our minds when we see this stuff, yeah but then we move on to the next shiny object the next day and it's just kind of like <sighs> out in the ether so it's really like these it's, it's a tectonic change like it's over time that those right. split seconds are going to add up and turn football into something that it's never was intended to be
1: right well Patriots fans will remember you know back in
0: was it are you 90, bringing up the Brandon Browner play
1: nine no it was like 99 long time ago they were playing the Steelers and Cordell Stewart took off I can still see it in my mind him running (laughs) down the left sideline and there's a Patriots I believe it was Ted Johnson was a Patriots linebacker chasing him and didn't hit him because he thought he was going to step out of bounds and he didn't and he ran for a touchdown and it's like you know because it's like well if I hit him then it's a penalty but if I don't hit him then you know so it's like then you're trying to guess what he's going to do and so that's and that's that stuff where if you take that extra second to to see what he decides to do, he's already beat you. And now with the extra speed, the fact that everyone plays so much faster now, everyone has so much speed. You just can't you can't wait. You have to play, and so you know you live with those penalties sometimes because it just is what it is, you know. And so um, it's it is interesting, and it is I, I love I love that idea and the passion we talked the last time we talked to you, and I I love it because you bring the passion with it you can tell that you're passionate <laughs> about it it's great i love it um we ranting it sounds is like always, an old man i'm sorry No, it's great I, I, ranting, I, I'm like, just like ranting is a
2: grandfather now
1: right ranting is always encouraged on this podcast as as any listener <laughs> will know um and so so we love it we we absolutely love it so i'm excited to read it uh it comes out it comes out friday morning right so obviously we're live thursday night but this will be out on friday morning so it'll be out on golongtd.com um subscribe to get it and as ty said Oh, I may have said it, but as Ty said, uh, if you subscribe to an, if you do an annual subscription, he will send you an autographed copy of the blood and guts.
2: Are you kidding me? Like, come on. That, what? Let's that's go. a great deal. Let's go. That's yeah. insane. <laughs> I appreciate it. it. No, it was, that book was so much fun, man. Just traveling around the country, hanging out with Gronk and Coates. And yeah. you know, I, I do, I don't know if we talked about the Jimmy Graham stuff on the pod on how Bill Belichick knew Jimmy yes. Graham. Yes, we did. I mean, that blows my mind on how this coach just recognized the greatness of the tight end position, like, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, but all the way through to today. Mark
1: Bravaro and all them, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's real interesting. Well, Ty, we love having you on, man. Listen, the next time, you got to write about the Patriots more often because then we can have you on more often. (laughs) but uh, we'll make it happen. It, Absolutely, yes, man. Thank you. Yes, it's been it's been great. So before you leave, we already plugged a little bit, but plug yourself just just again so that everyone can reach out and maybe they'll follow you on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram or whatever the case may be as well.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much again for having me, fellas. Uh, at Ty Dunn, D-U-N-N-E on, on Twitter, Instagram, all that. And uh, golongtd.com is the site. So annual, 50 bucks, monthly, eight bucks. Like I said, annual, send you the signed book right away. Get the Jude on story. And Hey, if a bunch of Patriot fans uh sign up, subscribe, you're damn right. We'll get back out there to Fox. Yes. I just, you know, Love I live it. here in Western New York. You hop on the I-90. It's a nice, smooth, boring drive. Listen to a couple podcasts and you're there. So we'll get back out yeah, there, there and tell me what you want to read, right? Like, is there a player? Is there a topic? Is there a trend? Um, well, it's let me all tell you about something. community. So you- let me know.
1: The way you talk about Belichick, we got to get you. We we got to get you to sit down with Bill Belichick. That's what's got to happen. That's well, what's I'm next. Sure. That's what's next. I'm sure it's I'm sure really that's, easy to, to make. I'm that sure that's. I'm sure that's really easy to do. But and I'm
0: sure he'll, he'll he's going to give you all kinds of open answers to everything you ask.
1: <laughs> but you know what though? But you know what's interesting about Belichick, which is so great, is that the way you talk about the game and the passion you have for the game, you're not asking about stuff that happened this year. Or that you're looking – no, you're talking about the history of the game and, and the things that he saw in the 80s and who he talked to. and So, like, that's why I think the conversation will be so interesting because not that you don't care about the stuff going on right now. Obviously, you do. I don't want to say you don't. But I feel like the the you, you're, like, a historian of the game like he is. And that's why the conversation, to me, would be so interesting because you bring that passion. He has such a passion – for the history of the game and, you know, and can talk about some of those nuances that, you know, that are there. And, you know, and the fact that, again, you know, you're talking about a tight end book and you're talking about players from different teams and you're bringing Belichick into stories about guys that are on different teams. And so it's just, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. And so that would be, that would be the conversation. And if you're in Foxborough again, I live, I live down the street. So hit me up next time. We'll go, we'll go out to lunch or something <sighs> like that. In the down you know, it was, so, it was
2: such a hit and run. I was, I was in oh, and out, you know, with, yeah, with two in, kids I, I came back. I was just there one night, and I absolutely—if I would have known, though, that you were right Ah, there, you're like, "Hey, honey, I'll be—I'll be be a little
1: late because I got to go meet this random guy for lunch." You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) you got to change diapers. Get get home, okay? Home and change the diapers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, absolutely. Hey, if they win, right? I mean, it's up to the Patriots. They they, they can still make a little run here if if they got Matthew Judon on their side. I'm not counting them out.
1: I agree. I agree. Well. Yeah, exactly. Good old, good old red sleeves, as done and Mitchell calls them. So, well, thanks, Di. We appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming back through. And, uh, and I'm excited to read your article tomorrow for sure. So it's going to be a, uh, it's gonna be a good one. So
2: Pat, Matt, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much for having me And, and any time. We'll, we'll, I'll just invite myself. So I'll, I'll be yeah, in touch. That's right. hey, send, having me, me.
1: send me a DM anytime. The answer, the answer is always yes. <laughs> All
2: right. Love it. I'll be careful what you wish for.
1: All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right man. Take care. See you guys. See you. All right, that was great. What a what a great conversation, man. Um, that guy, dude. Oh, he just yeah. brings the energy. Brings the energy.
0: He really does. It's funny you talk about Bill, the football historian, too. One of my favorite Belichick things is how much he loves NFL films. Oh yeah, and, and yeah, uh, like the, the football life in two thousand nine. Like awesome, for all man. of everybody thinks Bill's this crotchety guy that doesn't talk to the media. No, he just gets annoyed by the press conferences. If you're right. asking about real stuff, he'll give you real answers. And he left yep. him go behind the scenes for a full season and mic him up.
1: And- right, that's awesome. You know what? It's funny. I gotta I gotta go back in the archives because back in the day, this is like way back in the day. Spags and I had Lenny Clark on one time, mm-hmm. um, and Lenny is an old school Boston comedian. Just a just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, but also one of the funniest guys in 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 the history of Boston. And him and Belichick alike. Super close, wicked tight. And he gives Belichick crap all the time. They're always giving each other crap back and forth. And two nights before the Super Bowl, before the 07 Super Bowl, which of course ended up not working out okay, but two nights before the 07 Super Bowl, the whole team's in the conference room and Lenny walks in and just eviscerated Belichick. Just for like a half an hour, just crapped all over him, made fun of him nonstop, telling all these horrible jokes. And the guys are laughing, but they're almost like when he started, they're almost like kind of like, oh, my God, is this OK? And then Bill is laughing. So then everyone else is laughing. And it's like that's the type of guy he is. And you don't see that because he doesn't want you to see that. He doesn't want the media to see that. Yeah. Right. And some people don't like that, and which is fine. And I got no problem if you don't like that. That's fine. But you also have to understand that he's not necessarily that type of guy. And no. the players that come here. I mean how many players have been pissed off? I can probably count on my on one hand how many players have been pissed off after leaving here.
0: Yeah. And half of you them are I mean? Cassius Marsh.
1: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: I think it says a lot when you when you see a guy like Jamie Collins kind of get shipped right. away in the less than dignified way. And he comes back. He just he keeps coming back because he likes right. it and it, there's respect. And I think listen to what Ty was saying about Judon, and it's like everybody has this perception that if you're in New England, you can't talk to the media and you have to be right. super no, that's not how it is. Judon, like you said, open, honest, and just mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. the same guy on the field that he is off the field and all that stuff. And yeah, Bill does not care if you show personality. All he cares is that you do it while supporting the team first. That right. is it, right? And don't, obviously, don't give away trade secrets. Don't well,
1: obviously, them. right? And I, but I think like one of those things that that was huge for me was I don't know if it was twenty twenty or twenty nineteen when they. They were talking about social change and he would have he would have team meetings and just be like, hey, if you got something you're passionate about, get up and talk to us and, and let's learn from each other. Right. And like that's the type of stuff that builds, you know, chemistry and camaraderie, but also is important to make these guys feel like they're, you know, they're important. They're part of the team. They're the reason the team wins. Right. And Belichick mm-hmm. always talks about it like players win games, coaches lose games and players win games. And so, like, you know, hey, these these records are great, but, like, I've coached a lot of good players, and that's why I'm yeah. where I'm at, you know? Yeah.
0: It, doesn't, and, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a boss and you're not giving your employees the freedom to kind of be themselves and what they do, you're never right. going to get the best production out of them. And I think for 95% of the people that have stepped into New England, 90%, like, everybody has right. that freedom. If you do what you're supposed to do, it doesn't matter what else you do.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. So let's bring that back to the 2022 season. Um uh, so we talked about the Bills game obviously uh I'm dizzy from my Marcus Jones victory laps uh you know I mean first offensive snap of his career I mean come on yeah. like that was outrageous me in the building wearing the red Marcus Jones jersey like it's just it was it was incredible yeah. the rest of the game was an absolute disaster now Vance Joseph is out Vance freaking Joseph yeah. Vance Joseph like I just so everyone hears Vance joseph is out here talking crap about your football team vance joseph i mean come on that's just bad you know what i I mean it
0: was a little bit of a joke before we get into that though i do know i know yeah i have a a left kind of a leftover piece from the the bills game because i was going through the film and looking at stuff yeah um and going through some of the stats and it i I don't know it kind of felt like it watching the game but i couldn't put my finger on why it felt like the defense was playing better, obviously like they forced punts and stuff like that, but it was right. the Bills still scored basically 24 points on eight drives. That's not great. Yeah. But if you look at all the underlying numbers, the defense was actually really, really good on first and second down. Couldn't get off the field in third down. Right. That's an issue, but they couldn't even force third downs the last time they played. So the fact that they're doing that is a sign of improvement. I think they basically dropped a pick or two in there and had a couple plays that they just couldn't make. So on one hand, bad that you're not making the plays
2: On the right. other hand
0: it's good that you're putting yourself into a position to make the plays because it Correct. means you play like it's easy to write off that bills game week 18 as an automatic loss but what i'll say is this the offensive tackles should be healthier in theory than they are last week and you should be starting a guy who wasn't like Connor mcdermott wasn't with the team 10 days before right and the similar defensive performance but you swap the result of just a couple plays in there. You get one pick, you get one red zone stop in there. And all of a sudden you might be looking at a different game. I don't think the Patriots aren't going to be favored in that one. And they shouldn't be. And we'll see what happens over the next four weeks before then. But I don't think it felt like a blowout, but on last Thursday, but also it could have been closer. Like it's right. Well,
1: and, and I think what you said is perfect. Right. And we talked about it a little bit on the, on the, on the instant reaction, but like, in a game like that where you're not that good, you're okay, yeah. but you're not that good, you have to be able to make those plays. You have to capitalize. When you get an opportunity, you have to capitalize. If you have an interception, you better freaking hold on to the interception. Mm-hmm. If you're open in the end zone like Devontae Parker was and your quarterback gets you the ball, catch the damn ball. Now, the game was over at that point, but catch the ball. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's if, a tough catch. If you're covering that's a you're receiver sure and do.
0: the quarterback is scrambling, stay with him.
1: Yes, Right. And that's right. So that's, that's one of the other things, right? So yes, if you have a fumble, you better score the fumble. That's true. So it's, if we can, if we can take advantage of that, I think there's an opportunity. Um, Now, obviously a very different team this week against the Cardinals. Also team crazy. Max said, he's going to get one of those red Marcus Jones jerseys. I will tell you, if you are near the pro shop, the pro shop will make your custom Jersey while you wait. It's like a 20 minute process. You go in, you order your jersey, say what color, what size, and what number, number and name you want, and they'll make it while you wait. If there's people in front of you, it might be an hour, but like it's not going to be much more than an hour. So they'll like you don't have to send it away. It's just bam, they do it on the spot. So, uh, so if you're into that kind of thing, uh, do it.
0: I need to, I need to add some Pat's jerseys to my collection there.
1: Well, Team Crazy Matt looks like he bought seven jerseys that way. Hey man, wow. listen. You got someone's got to pay the bills down there in Foxborough, and Team oh, Crazy yeah. Mad is uh is helping out down there. We appreciate huh. you, sir.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, you, you look at what Vance Joseph was saying, and right. it's a. I think it's kind of a joke there too. Yeah, like, I think he's, he's making a comment just for fun. But,
2: but still- the underlying
0: part, he's talking about the short passes and all of that. When you watch the team, it's like we keep hammering this to death. The offensive line can't block. Right. Nobody can do anything, so it's like you have to call short passes. Then there's nothing else you can do, really. And it was everybody. And then Mac had a couple of bad, real bad plays in there. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. that, there's that play everybody's talked about where it's like, oh, like Mac had the intentional grounding and Trent Brown laying on the ground. That play was on Mac Jones because they right. got the tackles cut blocking. That's cool. and it's you, you got to get it out quick. And right. he sees the first read, didn't like it. It was a tight window throw. I think he could have made it, but I get why you don't want it. But then he pulls it back down, he's looking. It's you don't have time for that on a
1: right. play. Yeah. And that's it's situational, right? You gotta know where you are. You gotta know what the situation is. You have to know that they're cut blocking and, and he whiffed. He didn't get him.
0: Yeah, it wasn't but great Still, player.
1: you know, it's like to, you know he had what's to happening.
0: To make the first throw. Yeah, you had right. to play to make the throw. Time to make the throw that was designed in that play.
1: Right. Correct. And that's and that's one of those things. And it's like, honestly, in that situation, if you can't make that throw, because I think it was a throw to Ramondre out of the flat in the flat, I believe, is where he was looking first. You just toss it over his head because, you know, there's nothing else. Just throw it over his head and then it's then it's just incomplete and it doesn't matter, you know, and so that's the type of thing for me. Now, listen, you want to argue and and team crazy mass talking about talking about play action. And I agree. Like, they they have not run nearly enough play action. Their running game has been solid, but then they're not countering it with good play action, and it just doesn't make any sense. They had a really
0: great things. I was kind of picking up on on the film and why I think they're not running more. Now, when when they start doing play action, teams are just blitzing it the second they start going into it. So what's happening is by the time Mac turns around, he's got a guy in his face. No time to throw it. It's right. they're just because they know the offensive line's not communicating either, so right. they're able to get free rushers and that happened. That one Kevin Harris run where <laughs> the one time he was in the Disaster. game where he immediately got sat down, it was one where the second Mac turns to hand the ball off at all. Everybody's coming, right? because they don't care about the pass over the top, and I think Henry's the one that got blown up for the tackle. But the other hole that was available was just destroyed by somebody, and there was right. nothing. And it's
1: and it's. You know, I, I do think though we got to get a little more creative. Now, what's interesting about it is that you look at you look at the big plays, right? And I think it was uh, Moser tweeted this out. I f- I forget the guy's first name, um, but anyways, you look at the big plays, and the Patriots are the middle of the pack on big plays this year. They got seventy seven total big plays, thirty four rushing attempts over ten yards. 43 receptions over 20 yards which is tied with the Eagles and only what 11 behind the Chiefs who have the most at 54. And so you start looking at that number and you're like 43. Like what? And they have had some success throwing the ball down the field. They've gotten they've gotten, you know, aggressive at times. I think mm-hmm. Mac wants to be more aggressive, which is good. Then they've got away from that because, number one, they can't block it up. And, number two, Mac was throwing a million interceptions when they were getting super aggressive because he doesn't have that crazy arm strength. And, you know, if you're only going to one guy, it makes it more difficult. And so uh, I think – I don't know. It is it is interesting, though. I saw 43, and I was like, 43? That's the same number as the Eagles? Like, that's interesting, you know?
0: Yeah. There's a, another stat here. Chad Graf tweeted this out a little bit ago the Patriots are 25th in percentage of throws that went at least five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So only 52% of their passes have gone at least five yards beyond the line of scrimmage. But then they're also eighth in percentage of throws beyond 20 yards. So what that tells you is basically it's boom or bust. Right. You're either going over the top and you're going for the deep place or you're checking it down, which feels about right for this team when they've right. been able to protect and scheme up they've been able to hit things deep they've been able to use play action but they're so inconsistent with it that they're just stuck in this other stuff um, which yeah. i think it gives me hope for the offense because if you're able to get those chunk plays what that means is if you have a game where you can protect it all the offense can be very effective like it was in minnesota right you have to be able to scheme up and protect and that's that's what it comes down to right
1: what i am it is interesting though you would think I mean, these guys all watch film if they're just mm-hmm. going to blitz the hell out of you, like you said, you notice it, mm-hmm. you turn around, you turn your back, and everyone blitzes the hell out of you. Well, if that's going to happen, why don't you do like, you know, and we've seen Brady do it a few times where he almost pretends like he's going to play fake, and he doesn't, right? He turns his back for half a second, and bam, now he's back up. There's a guy running across the middle. All the linebackers are gone because they're all blitzing up for the run, and that guy's wide open in the middle, right? Now, that could be a pick six, too, because if those linebackers don't come, Then, you know, it's an easy interception because you're just standing there. And then you look like a dummy because you made that call. But if that's something you're seeing during the game, it's kind of like, well, maybe we should do something like that. Right. And I look, I said it after the game. I'm going to continue to say it. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops until someone hears me. Give your ball. Give the freaking ball to your fast players. But just Mm -hmm. give it to them. Why are we running? I, I just why are we taking Taekwon to it and run him forty yards downfield? Why are we doing that? I know you're trying to clear things out, but like, give him the ball, run a jet sweep with him, no. throw a quick pass yeah. to him. Like, yeah. what are we doing?
0: Well, I think the issue with Taekwon too is like, I don't know if he's that type of player. Which then kind of comes into all this is he didn't do right. any of that at Baylor. He's strictly vertical at Baylor. He's really thin. Yeah. So he's he's not Debo like. Debo can run through guys. I don't think Tyquan Thornton's going to break tackles by running. And then it's like, right. all right, The only other fast, like it's Bourne kind of has some of that. Aguilar kind of has some of that. I don't know if I find either one of those guys dependable enough right now to do that. Right, right. Because I think how Marcus Jones ends up on offense.
1: Mm-hmm. Matt I did was, mention he had that one jet sweep in the Cleveland game. Yeah, he he's, I think the TD was on a catch, but but still he, he scored. Had, a touchdown.
0: He had two in that game.
1: Oh, that's right. So he scored the touchdown on the jet sweep, and then the yeah.
0: catch. right? Yeah, yeah. he's not. Like one Taekwond Ford's not bad at it. I'm I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying he's not gonna be the Debo type guy. Right.
1: Oh, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. No. But and I'm just I, thinking like, look at what Ty look at what Miami's doing. Miami is the blueprint for me. Miami has I mean, listen, Miami has Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. They're both really good. But they're two really fast guys. You have Nelson Aguilar and Marcus Jones now. If you're gonna play him on defense on offense consistently, which I think they should. Mm-hmm. certainly if you're not going to play him on defense. If you're not going to play him on defense, then freaking play him on offense.
0: Well, he, got, he played a lot on defense last week. James. He
1: did. You're right. That's out. a good point. So, so, you know, it, it, at, at times, by the way, he was in there over Jack Jones, which I thought was interesting, but, um, but nevertheless, and I think it, w- it had to do with zone as opposed to man, but mm-hmm. either way, um, you know, you have Taequann Thornton and Nelson Aguilar and Marcus Jones. Now, if he's going to continue to play offense, throw short passes, just, just say we're gonna run a five-yard slant. You know he's gonna catch it and maybe he breaks a tackle and all of a sudden he picks up forty instead of five, right? Yeah. And so like that's that's where some of the
0: big plays have come from this year when they've hit on them, right? I think the real the real thing that makes it tough with this offense is that there's no chunk plays and that's where the tight end play really hurts. Like if yep. there, you got the big plays, but. It's always, okay, well, let's see if we can throw a five-yard slant and have somebody break it. And it's like, okay, well, you're going to throw one and he's going to get tackled. And then maybe throw another one and he breaks it and you throw another one and it's incomplete. Now you're second and 10 and you run the ball and it's third and eight in the drive's dead. Right. And that's right. because you don't have, you can't send, at least it hasn't been working this year, you can't send Hunter Henry down the seam and have right. him catch a ball. And John U. Smith is fine after the catch, but he's not really going to win routes down the field. And it's no. just... They got nothing. And it's what's going to hurt them more with that next game right now is Jacoby Myers is in the concussion protocol. Right.
1: Still, which is interesting. You know,
0: know. like that's Tyquan Thornton. He's probably going to get a lot more run Monday night. I think. Yeah. Marcus Jones probably going to get a little bit of run just because of that. Right.
1: It is interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting. And so we'll, we'll see. I think, I think the feel, for the game, and look, everyone's talking. Everyone's piling on the offense right now, and I think there are things to say about the defense. Yes, yes, Matt. Yes, free trade Nixon. Get him on the field. Why not?
0: Hold him back. If, uh, if Trey Nixon and Marcus Jones play an offensive snap together, we're gonna have to do a wellness check on you.
1: I, I honestly might die. Imagine if imagine if they, like, scored. Imagine if they ran an offensive play and one of them scored a touchdown. No, I would just – No, you know win. what
0: they're going to do, which you're going to absolutely love, is they're going to call the double pass or whatever. You're going to have Marcus Jones throw a touchdown to Trey Nixon.
1: That's it. I'd die. I would literally have a heart attack. In <laughs> so let's hope they don't do that because I want to live a little bit longer because um, I literally might die if they do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Marcus Jones can do if they use him more on offense. I thought he looked good on defense. I mean, he's the type of guy, he seems so explosive as an athlete that yeah. even if he's never that technically good at like corner or wide receiver, you might be able to play him 15 snaps on offense, 15 snaps on defense, right. 15 snaps on special teams or whatever he's going to end up doing because he can tackle there too. Yep. We've seen some of that and then yep. put it all together and that's that's a good value for that pick.
1: Well, and that's one of those things where it's like, That's the way the NFL is going at this point right now. You just have these freak athletes and you just put them on the field and see what happens. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why I was, I was, you know, I was on the train of Zion McCollum. Now, the kid from the kid that Seattle drafted is, um, the hell's his name? Um, the rookie is five picks. Um, shoot, I'm blanking on his name. He's another small school guy. That's it. Tyreek Wollen. Yep. Tyreek Wollen. He's another guy, big guy fast as hell. And it was like him or Zion McCollum. I was more of a a McCollum guy than, than a woolen guy, Mm -hmm. but they were the same type of player. And woolen's been fantastic, right? He's been fantastic for, for, for the, um, for the Seahawks. And part of that is like, is his technique great? I don't know, but he's like six, four and runs super fast. So it's like, yeah, well, of course he's going to go out there and play well. Right. And so it's it's like
0: what they do in Seattle too. He doesn't have to – I don't think he plays a lot of man out there. I think he right. can do a lot of zone stuff where he can use the athleticism. And yep. as long as he doesn't get burned over the top, the worst case is you allow a completion and you go on to the next play. Exactly.
1: right. Exactly.
0: And so that's – so you put those guys in a position
1: where they can make a play because of the athleticism that they have. And, you know, you have seeing it pay off around the league. And I think that's where we're headed. And so that's why we're excited about the Patriots going after the high-floor the the high ceiling guys, they've always gone after the high floor guys, mm-hmm. but they've always been like high floor, low ceiling guys, right? Like I love Deron Harmon. He's one of my favorite players ever Love Deron Harmon, mm-hmm. but he's a, he's a high floor, low ceiling guy. He's a yeah. low ceiling guy. He's not, and then, he was, he was for a time, one of the most important guys in the defense, but it was because he was so smart and he didn't make stupid plays. And he had a knack of making plays in the, in a big moment. But like, he wasn't a freak athlete who was, like, just better than everyone else. That that was never him, yeah. right? And, and so, you,
0: yeah. You, you know? Your healthy mix in there with the low-ceiling, low-floor guys <laughs> like Jordan Richards. Yeah, exactly, right. Dude, uh, Austin.
1: Coach coach Richards out there.
0: He played special teams.
1: He did. He did. Great, great special teams guy. Great special was teams he, guy. Great in the locker room. Terrible. Was he, even, was he
0: even a great special teamer? I don't even remember him being excited. Nah, he was a, he
1: was a good special teamer.
0: You're right yeah. brandon schooler's brandon school
1: was already a, a better special teamer than jordan richards ever was um, but uh, it's it's funny because Matt, uh, slater is leading in special teams votes right now for the pro bowl, which makes sense because he's the name and he gets in every year because everyone knows who he is. But I'm like, you could make an argument that Brandon school has been better on special teams than Mark, than the Matthew Slater has, right? Like it's really interesting.
0: He's been, when I think part of that is just the impact of having Slater out there too. You got a guy with a reputation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We, I mean, we haven't really talked about this on here, but, this team lost two core special teamers from last year and Cody Davis and Justin Bethel and right. special teams have been better. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from a couple of punting and kicking woes, the rest, yeah. the guys who aren't kicking the ball have been much better on special teams.
1: Right. I mean, obviously at the kick return against, you know, against Minnesota, yes. that was a pretty obvious holding penalty, but still, right. still you can let yeah. that happen. Um, but beyond that, you're right. They've, they've had a, they've done really well. And, and again, School, I think, has been a big part of that, right? And but not just him. Marcus Jones has been out there. Obviously, Slater has been out there. Duggar. they yep, get guys that that go Matt out there and Wilson. play.
0: Matt right? Wilson that doesn't. Yep. Show. Demarcus yep. Mitchell, um, yeah. Fact, I mean, I, Pierre Strong has made his mistakes on special teams for sure, but he also yeah. he goes out there and he tries hard. And he's right. I mean, this, this is a guy who's a running back who was drafted who's out there on special teams making tackles all over the place, or at least trying yep. to make tackles, engaging with blockers and thought he's, he's doing what he needs to do out there, and yeah. Yeah, you needed need all 11 guys on special teams in particular.
1: Right. Agreed. Agreed. So it is interesting. I mean, you know, and we'll see. I and Now, what's fascinating about this team and the rest of the way through, and look, the Cardinals, I think, we haven't even talked about the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals stink. I think they're a bad team. I think they're poorly coached. I think that, you know, I, I just think that they're just not that good of a team. But, but they have Kyler who, when he, when Every now and again, and he'll have four or five games in a row where he's like, Meh. And they'll have this one game where he's unbelievable and he looks superhuman. And Hopkins, of course, is, you know, one of the one of the five best receivers in the NFL, still, in my opinion. Um okay. you know, and so that top end talent is still there, at least offensively. And defensively, they're okay. They're still good, right? They have some good play. I think Simmons the beast. They have some good players defensively. They're not as good as they were. But, you know, that's part of the problem is that, yeah, I think you're better than them. But, like, they have a lot of top-end talent that might just win out if that's the case, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like this. In some ways, this could be like the Minnesota game where it's like, all right, you know the opponent's just going to have the best player on the field. That's probably the case. Um, But with DeAndre Hopkins out there, but at the same time, like, I don't think Kyler Murray can dice you up the way Kirk Cousins did. Kirk Cousins sat back there and did a really good job of recognizing defenses and finding the holes. Yeah, Kyler Murray's not that guy. He might beat you by scrambling, but right. I think there's also a chance this goes down like some of the Zach Wilson games where they do a good job of containing him. Maybe Josh Uche has a good game and mm-hmm. you got Mac Wilson out there containing. Like Mac Wilson missing that tackle on Josh Allen last week, he's not missing that tackle on Kyler That's Murray. Correct. At least yep. not in that same way. Yeah, yeah. And if you're able to contain him. It's, you should be able to win with that. I don't trust. I mean, Kyler's better than Zach Wilson at diagnosing defenses, but he's nothing special there. He's cool. good at creating out of structure, but at the same time, you can contain him even a little bit. Don't let him scramble. Don't let him take up first downs. Get them in bad situations. And their their offense is not consistent. They well, could, the Cardinals yeah. could score thirty, but they right. could also get shut out and throw three picks. Like that's right. That's and right.
1: I and I think the big. I think you hit on it. Like the big. The key is is that he is great outside of the structure. Mm -hmm. If you keep him in structure and he's in the pocket and you don't give him lanes to run and, and keep the play alive and scramble around back there and then chuck one up 50 yards downfield to Deandre Hopkins, then it gives you a better chance where I feel very good about it. If, you know, he's back there in the pocket trying to make passes out of the pocket all night Mm -hmm. long, because I think, I think he can't win that way. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's going to be interesting, and you have to think that that's what they're going to want to do, too. But then the Cardinals, you have to think, no, that the Patriots want to do that. So then it's like that chess move of how do you do that? How do you keep them there and, and keeping keeping your gap integrity? It's going to be – that, to me, is going to be the game.
0: Yeah, and I think – I bet we see a lot of zone, too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots play a lot of zone defense the rest of the way, except for the – probably the Miami game, because the receivers they're going against, like it's yep. – who, who's going to go up on Hopkins? It's it's not gonna be Jonathan Jones. That's an awful hype matchup. Jalen Mills, maybe. Maybe Jalen Mills with safety help has enough size to make that work, to not get killed. Maybe he gives up 70 yards receiving, but no touchdowns and nothing over fifteen yards type of thing. You can live with that.
1: Yeah, good point.
0: Maybe Jack Jones does a little bit. I'm not I'm not sure about how he's gonna match up. It's like you're not putting Marcus Jones out there. You're not putting Sean Wade out there on him. No.
1: No. Right, and so that's so that's going to be that's a tough thing, right? It's one of those it's one of those hard things for me. Um, and so that's when you look at it and just say, like, all right, what do we do? We just bracket coverage. You just double cover him. Rondell Moore missed practice again on Thursday. Now he's got till Monday, so they got an extra day. But still, if he's not practicing, he's clearly not close to 100. percent And so even if he plays, he's still not going to be right. And so okay, Rondell Moore, good player. Quick as hell, but, you know, it's like if he's not 100%, then, you know, is, are you really worried about him beating you that badly? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I just, I think that this is a great chance. It's a great opportunity this is the next two games to win. Mm-hmm. I think.
0: You got to win both.
1: Yeah, and I think the Raiders game is going to be a lot harder than we had anticipated earlier in the season when the Raiders were playing terrible. Um,
0: I, just, I, can't, but, I can't get those images out of my head from the preseason when they played each other. And it was just, it was the Raiders backups dominating New England starters at points. Yeah. That one. And that's what, that's kind of what we were hearing about what was going on in camp, too.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. That's, if that's what's going to happen there, that's going to be tough. And I think Bill is what, Owen 1 all time against Josh McDaniels as a head coach. Yeah. It's that not good. one overtime game in Denver with the uh, AFL stripey uniforms.
1: Yeah. It's not good. It's not good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so so, so the, the injury report right now, by the way. It's yes. Trent Brown with an illness, Damian Harris with a thigh, Jacoby Myers with a concussion, Jalen Mills with a groin, Isaiah Wynn, the foot injury, none of them practiced on Thursday. Kajust yeah, is true. limited with both calf and back injuries. It's if you're missing all those guys, this become not a great. much, much tougher game. And what do you right. even do at tackle if you're missing Brown and Kajust?
1: Right. Well, that's really that's what it comes down to, right? Is that you're looking at it saying, like, oh God, now what? Yeah. And you know, okay.
0: DeAndre Hopkins mispractice also with an illness. So that's right. something to watch. You right? gotta
1: think these illness guys will end up being fine. Now who knows, of course, but you gotta think that they will. You Trent know
0: Brown's been sick for what three weeks now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I, mean, I hope he's doing all right. I think mean, that's I know. Yeah. I, don't know, I think somebody was reporting that they're all masked up in the Patriots facility now. I mean, stuff's going around right now.
1: Yeah. Well, I can as a teacher and a father, I can tell you stuff is definitely going around right now. <laughs> yeah. It's get like get your, get your flu shots,
0: folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So you haven't rough. already done that. Yep. But, yeah. So, But, you know, it's one of those things. And look, it, like you said, if you have any designs on getting into the playoffs, you absolutely 100% have to win these next two games. And they're, they are, without a doubt, the most winnable games mm-hmm. left on the schedule. Right? I mean, like, I don't think the Cardinals are very good. The Raiders are playing better. But like even tonight, yeah, they're up thirteen to three. But like cars doing nothing. No. Jacobs isn't doing much. Like it's just because the Rams suck. Like that's the only reason they're winning right now.
0: So it's like, yeah, it's winnable the... games.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I yeah. think
0: the other injury thing to, to look at too is Christian Barmore, who I think yep. is eligible. Is, is it this week or the week after? These eligible. I
1: th- think. I think it's the next week. I believe. Oh, Jacobs got hurt. Wow. Oh, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. But Whatever yeah, I, it is, though, I believe it's coming, next week. Yeah,
0: that's coming up. Bill said he's progressing. Uh, wouldn't good. give a wouldn't say if he's traveling with the team yet. Never By the would. Time you're listening to this. We may have an answer to that. But yeah, let me say if you're you're looking at that, I think in particular those last three games. Yeah, that's where Ballmore can really help you, and that's looking ahead. But if you win these two, then two is a pocket guy. Joe Burrow is a pocket guy. Josh Allen is, is can be a pocket guy if you right. get an internal pass rush. The quality is fine he's done a good job barmore is a better player even though he hasn't been quite the guy we were hoping we'd see this year yeah if you're able to get that like you're not these corners are not gonna match up with the Bengals receivers once that game happens so you want to win that one get pressure and another right. guy who can do that is awesome so yeah you need, to, you need to get healthy there's no shot of making this run of winning three or four games here if you're not healthy
1: then absolutely right and and again are you gonna make the playoffs I don't know does it matter? I mean, it does. It does because you never know. You, like, you never know what happens in the playoffs. You're probably not going to win that game. But, like, you don't have a chance to win that game if you're not in there. Right? So, you, of course, want to play as well as you can. You want to finish the, the season on a high note. Um, And, you know, we we were talking to Ty about, about Matthew Judon and how he slowed down a little bit, but how you need other guys to step up. And if you can have a guy like Barmore who's clearly good at getting after the passer from the defensive tackle position – Mm-hmm. And you have Uche playing well on the other side now too. Now it gives you even more pause when you're worried about who we're going to block. Well, if we leave Barmore one on one, he's probably going to beat us. Well, if we leave Uche one on one, he's probably going to beat us. If we leave Judah one on one, he's probably going to be. Well, how do we block all these guys, right? And so, and so then you, you're making, you're keeping these offensive coordinators up at night trying to figure things out, as opposed to, you know, you up at night trying to figure out how you're going to stop the offense. And so that can that can certainly make a difference you know
0: and i think more than anything right now it's obvious that this team needs playmakers on any in any aspect Correct. i think two of their last three offensive two of their last three touchdowns have been scored by marcus jones right Right. right. you need big plays somewhere and pass rusher defensive tackle developing a little bit that's a guy who can give you big plays and tackles can kind of give you big plays there in the running game if they can get better if it's this is we're in a weird point in the season because you kind of look at the bye week and it's like, all right, come out of the bye week and play better. But then you get this right now, which is a mini bye and it gives you another chance to reset and get yourself to where you need to be. I I think it is kind of frustrating that for both of these bye weeks, they've been really banged up and had illnesses and all that. Yeah. I don't think they've gotten quite the rest or the, the teaching time that they wanted to because of that in here, which is just kind of a season where nothing has gone right. Right. But even if you're able to do some of that and recover and learn from what you did, you got a lot of young guys here, and sometimes that growth happens from week to week, from right. game to game. True. You can play; they might play better next week than they did the week before. You never know when they can take that step. Full right. strange. This is a, one of those points in the season where you, if, if there's going to be a chance to learn from what has happened early in the season, this is the last break where you can kind of come out of that and try to make some changes.
1: Agreed. Agreed. You know, it's funny. I, I'm actually working on a, a little piece for, for Pat's pulpit about the schedule and, and some quirks in the schedule. We're talking about bye weeks and stuff. These last few weeks now, right? You you play the Jets coming off your bye. And so you're like, oh, that's good. That's an advantage to the Patriots because they're coming off the bye. No, sorry. The Jets are also coming off the bye. Yeah. Then you have a short week against the Vikings. Both teams have a short week. Fine. Well, now you're playing the next Thursday night and you're like, oh, okay, it's the next Thursday, but we don't have a short week. We have a regular week because we played on Thursday already, and now we're playing on next Thursday. Oh yeah, no, the Bills also played on Thursday as well, so they have a full week too. You don't mm-hmm. get the advantage there. Okay, fine. All right. Well, this week, this week, we get we get a a, a mini buy because you played last Thursday. Now you're not playing until Monday night. Great. Oh no, no no no! Sorry, Arizona actually play actually didn't have a game last weekend, so they're actually coming off an actual buy. Mm-hmm. oh, okay, all right, okay, next week, though, I know it's a short week, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry, the Raiders are playing on Thursday night, so they won't play, and it's like, what the hell, dude, like, you know, like, every yeah, time the Tigers no- have had an opportunity to get an advantage, they haven't had one, and they've been in a disadvantage in a lot of these games where it's like, guys have had, teams have had more time off than they have, so, again, the NFL's not out to get them or anything, but it's an interesting schedule quirk where it's like, you know, every time you think there might be an advantage, they're not getting an advantage, and at most most of the time, they're at a disadvantage as far as time off between games.
0: Yeah. and this is a team that doesn't need more disadvantages. That's great. And, and it's just it's been one of those years where it's like week one, your starting quarterback gets hurt with a back injury, which that's right. a story we haven't even talked about that since yep. early September. Like that happened, right. and your offensive line's basically not ready to go week one, and then. Week three, your quarterback implodes and then gets hurt, and then week four, your quarterback gets hurt again, and then mm-hmm. you got Barmore hurt, and you got Duggar hurt, and it's just and then offensive lineman hurt. And it's just been one of the it's one thing after another, and it's again this team does not have the depth, the talent, or the coaching right now to overcome all of this stuff. They don't have a guy really right. consistently who's giving them the excellent play from snap to snap, except probably Judon right now, right, right. And it's you need excellence. It's it's boom or bust right now, which is fun, but there's too much bust.
1: Correct. And again, you know, we've talked about it a ton on here. You're not good enough to overcome the mistakes. You're Mm -hmm. not good enough to overcome those small disadvantages anymore. You were when you had Brady. You were, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: you're not. Right. And so that's one of those hard things where it's like it's a new reality for Patriots fans. Right. That you're not that team anymore. Um, and so that makes it obviously a lot more difficult, but you know, it is what it is. And we'll, we'll kind of see where, where it leads moving forward, you know?
0: Yeah. And again, like the, the injury situation has just been kind of unfortunate for them this year. That, that happens sometimes. So odds are like some of these guys, like Trent Brown for the most part has been healthier than usual. So that's a plus a lot of the other stuff though. I mean, Tyquan Thornton missed time. Both of your first and second round picks from last year missed time. Your yep. second round pick, your first pick from the year before, missed time. And right. that's it for your high picks recently. It's Cole Strange is the only high pick that hasn't gotten injured this year from the past three years. Right.
1: It's true. It's true. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, that's just injury luck, unfortunately. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. It you knows. know. Yeah.
0: So, like Good teams overcome that. Just look at some of the stuff. Hey, the, the Bills went out there without Von Miller last Thursday. You, you couldn't tell based on the pass rush because they got guys That's stepped
1: correct. up. Yep, that is very correct. So uh, one thing before before we get into our last segment here, or my favorite segment of the show, one thing we get into our uh, before we get into our last segment, Tommy Carne's been talking about, you know, uh, Bill might be on a little bit of thin ice, that Robert Kraft isn't happy with the way that things are going, mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, they might be looking, if things don't improve, they might be looking to make a move away from Bill. I want your, I want, I'm going to let you go first is what I'm going to do. How I'm going to let you, I, I want your thoughts on that.
0: Well, um, my, I, my initial thought here is, is he plugged in and, first of all, is the reporter here plugged in enough to actually get this scoop and have it be accurate? Because if so, this is a huge scoop. Uh, right. That's a huge story. If that's what's actually going on, that, that hasn't gotten a lot of traction, I think tells you a lot about how people view the report and the potential accuracy of it. But to entertain it, we'll say it is true here. Like, I don't know. It's, I think Bill has kind of earned going out on his own terms at this point. I don't care if this team is bad for a couple of years. Let him finish it out. He's 70-something years old. He's not coaching for more than like five more years, I don't think, anyway. We got to take a couple more bad years to let him go out on his own terms. I'm willing to risk that with also how good of a coach he's been and the fact that he could probably whip you in like at any point he could turn this into a super bowl contender with a couple things to go right i have faith mm-hmm. in him as the head coach there mm-hmm. i will also say i don't think he's the type of guy that's going to take a reduced role right i, I don't think Kraft's going to be like hey can you be a, just the gm or just the head coach unless unless this was mutual unless they had kind of talked about this and in the a, in a lead up and, right it's think about how bill came to new england like he's he's gonna do it his way or he's not gonna do it at all that's just the guy he is so i don't right. think he's doing that and uh, personally i think Kraft is probably frustrated with what's going on but he's also a rational human being who can see some of the stuff that's going on and yeah it's it's not like the sky isn't falling You may kind of feel that way maybe if they lose the next five games it is but right. this isn't a bad team it's not a good one right now, but it isn't a bad one either. It's somewhere in the middle. This isn't this. The bottom didn't fall out. They've having a couple of mediocre years in a row with mediocre talent on the team. Right. That's not. That's not worth firing a guy over. It's not worth reducing a role over. If any, my bet here is that what actually has happened is Kraft to talked to Bill to be like, "Hey, what's the plan going forward? What's going on? Why is all this happening?" We're going to have a hard conversation in January about what the future looks like. Hard as in. Kraft's going to ask some tough questions about certain players and personnel decisions right. and coaching decisions. And then Bill's going to go back out there and make some kind of adjustments. And probably one's quite frankly, that Belichick was going to make anyway, this guy's it's right. you might not know it based on how some people talk about him right now, but he is actually pretty good at this and has by and large made good decisions for most of his career. So yeah. I kind of figure that if he's see, if we're seeing this stuff, he's also seeing this stuff.
1: Correct. 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 And
0: I, I think uh, the word I
1: will use is hogwash. <laughs> there is, the, I just, here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You got to replace him with someone. Who are you going to replace him with?
0: I guarantee if you want to promote from within, I nobody's going to be happy about Matt Patricia being promoted out of this position to head coach. I'll tell you that much.
1: Right. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I think that that's, that's and listen, you know, Team Crazy Mad makes a makes a good point here. I'll put it up on the screen. But
0: I have a comment to make about this after you're done. So
1: his unwillingness to move away from his family and yes men in his mm-hmm. coaching staff and alienating so many talented scouts and coaches in the process. Here's what I'll say about that. I think his son does a fine job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think his son does a fine job. I think the fact that Gerard Mayo is the one getting head coaching interviews and not his son
0: mm-hmm.
1: is telling. Not only about the coaches themselves but how the team views those play views those coaches as well
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know I'm sorry, but there's no yes men in that scouting department they're not and and you know we can talk about Matt grow and this and that and maybe you know maybe he's a little bit more of a yet but that's that's a hands-on I want everyone's opinion and and if you know and I don't know but I would imagine if If Bill Belichick is the head coach and I'm in there and I'm just agreeing with everything that Bill says, he's going to kick me to the curb because there is there is no there is no one of those things. And and so that's the part for me. Now, the scouting took a dip for sure. They had a few bad drafts in a row at 100 percent. There's no denying that 2017 was a disaster. 2018, not much better. 2016.
0: Oh, yeah. No, 2017 was the year with four picks. Yeah. 2017
1: was the year with four picks. But again, that was the end of Brady. That was that was the Patriots-Rams moment. Mm-hmm. The Rams where the Rams traded their entire future to go all in to win a Super Bowl. The Patriots said, we have one more. Let's see what we can do. Let's trade a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. Let's go out there. We'll draft guys with high ceilings. We'll see what happens. There's questionable guys. You know, we're drafting this tackle who, like, maybe might be good, might not be good. We'll draft Derek Rivers, who, like, a little bit of an injury history, but the guy's an absolute monster if he can get on the field. Mm -hmm. And none of those paid off. You missed on every single one of them. Brandon Cooks was a 1,000-yard receiver, and then you got a first-round pick back for him the next year. Great. Then you looked at it and said, we need an offensive line and a running back. You drafted the wrong line. You drafted the wrong running back, and you drafted the wrong offensive lineman. So you missed, right? But, like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, they they went to it, and Dietrich Wise, right, has taken forever to, to be good. But yeah. you finally got him out of 2017, right? But it's just like it's yeah. it's tough to see, right? And so they missed that, but I think that was – you're seeing that dip now because those guys would be the guys that are leading you forward, mm-hmm. and instead you got guys from 2020 and beyond. They're just too young to make you a good team. Yeah. If you can build around these guys and have another good draft next year – now, all of a sudden, your team is good next year because you're building around those good players, you know?
0: Yeah. I want to, I also want to add on to this. Um, Bill tends to promote from within because of his own scouting strategy. So right. there's like, there's, oh, man, I'm totally blanking on the name of the book right now, but there's a, a really good book that's a uh, biography of Bill Belichick and yep. talks about his, his philosophies on this stuff. And he has very specific philosophies about how you analyze the game. And how you scout play to play, like from one play to another and how you analyze stuff. And uh, literally when I say like strategies, I mean like notebooks full of things and what you actually write on the paper and things like that. Like he goes into that kind of detail with it. It's like, was it the, like was the, was it the
1: Halberstam one? Is it the one you're talking about? Education of a coach? Older
0: than that. I've had it for a while now. I think it runs up to like 04 or 05 or 06 maybe. So it's, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's very specific with that stuff, almost yeah. in a professor type way that, hey, here's how you have to format your assignments. Think about it more like that. So that's why he promotes from within, because he starts guys at the bottom and they learn these processes and they learn kind of what this philosophy is on seeing the game, which is one that has worked very, very well now for a long time. Yeah, And then they're promoted. This is also one of the reasons why like, I have a lot of issues with Matt Patricia. I didn't have as much of an issue with him going from defense to offense because part of that process from the very beginning is you learn all aspects of it. Right. As he's not—I don't think—he's not the guy I would have hired for the job, but it's not like he didn't know the offense. You learn that coming up. You're going to learn all of this stuff coming up through Bill. That's right. why he promotes from within. And up until this season, there really have not been questions about the coaches in New England because they've all been good and they all do really well in his system. A lot of them get head coaching jobs elsewhere. I think it's also notable that like. You see Brian Flores go to Miami. He took a bunch of coaches with him. Uh, right. well, McDaniels took a bunch of coaches with him. Yep. Judge took coaches with him when he left. So you're losing three coordinators there in the last five years, all of whom were taking personnel underneath. You talk about the issues of drafting. Well, all of the coaches that were coming up at that same time then got taken elsewhere. Josh Boyer, who was a defensive backs coach, in New England for forever, and a good one, is now in Miami as a DC because he left right. Flores and got the promotion there for something that wasn't there in New England.
1: Yeah, and that's that's just, true.
0: That's how it goes, and there's brain drain. I also want to point out on the scouting because as bad as some of the drafts have been, if you go back to, like, 05, 06, or 07, 08, 09, there were some bad drafts in there with well, more, like, ones with right. like 10 picks, and every one is a miss.
1: And that's, and that's one of those things where you saw the dip in production. And of course they make the Super Bowl in eleven and they're still one of the best teams in the league and so on and so forth. But like you saw that dip. And then once the drafts got better again starting in twenty ten, yeah. now all of a sudden, oh, do you think it's a coincidence that they won the Super Bowl in 14 and 16 and 18? No. They like they made three straight Super Bowls for a reason. Like yeah. that because they, they were that start. good. Right. And because those guys from those drafts come in and they're dominant players and you get instant impact players, you know?
0: yeah. And it's, I mean, do we remember how bad defensive back was for this team for like a five or six year stretch in there? Yep. It was rough because they just whiffed on all the picks. We make the jokes about the second round draft picks at DV now. That's a, that's an old trend. That's been going yeah. on for a while. But that's yeah. it's just
1: Terrence, like, Terrence Wheatley and Darius Willite. becoming
0: and, a good player. just not Yeah.
1: In right.
0: Uh, Raz, Raz, I R Dowling. Um,
1: yeah. Raz, I Dowling. Ugh, yeah, he
0: did, yeah. I thought he was kind of talented, but he couldn't stay on the field. And it's just, the draft's also kind of random sometimes. Like right. You're predicting the future based on 21, 22, 23 year old man. As a 24 year old man, I can tell you, we're not reliable. <laughs> it's straight true. true. What I did, like it's, it's hard to – you're trying to predict the future on guys, and sometimes it yeah. just doesn't work, and sometimes the bounces don't go your way. Or sometimes guys get hurt, and it stuns their development, and then another guy comes in, and they're off the roster. And
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And as Matt says, you know Matthew Slater and Julian Edelman playing in DB in 2011, not to mention Earthwin Moreland and Sterling Moore you know having, having really important roles Sterling on that Moore. team. Yep, yep. Yeah. Knock yeah. that ball away from Lee Evans to win yeah. the game. And
0: when you've got Brady and Gronk on the offense, you can cover up for a lot of the things on the defense. It's just right. Kind of. It's kind of mid all around right now. And yeah, more than 0-4. Right.
1: Yeah, that was my my bad. I always get I always get that mixed up. But yes, right. Arthur Mullen was zero four.
0: Who's that? St- Dexter Reed was that that backup safety they used no, to have in 0-4 too. They were just. I mean, they've had so many of those like weird guys where you're like, what that guy? You got to fill out fifty three roster spots. Yeah. Not yeah. all of those players are going to be good.
1: That's very true. That's very true. Number forty two. Of course, Matt knows. Number forty
0: two. Oh, I was remember that? that from the Patriots DVDs, watching reading yeah, yeah. Super Bowl yeah. thirty-nine on special teams. I that that D V D came with a list of the <laughs> roster for that year and I studied it. <laughs> yeah, of course you did.
1: I love it. I love it. So all right. Uh but you know, that's that's our long way of saying Bill's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And I think I think, as you said, he's earned the right to go out on his own terms. hmm I know the argument, the only thing I will say is that Kraft is eighty now and he doesn't have that much left, that much time left. I understand that. But again, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. If yeah. Bill leaves, who replaces him? You know, like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's
0: yeah. I think one of the things to look there. at here too is if you want to replace Bill with a guy who knows the New England style and can be a head coach and all that, the name that comes to mind is probably Bill O'Brien, right? A guy who's been rumored to be out at Alabama and maybe looking for stuff. and Patriots rumored to be making a move at offensive coordinator here. And yeah. Bill didn't really do anything to dismiss that after the season when he was asked about it. And it's like, all right, if, if Bill O'Brien comes in as offensive coordinator, you probably handle that until Bill is done and then get. Promoted to head coach. I don't think he yeah, was a good GM that. in Houston, but he was fine as a head coach. He wasn't well, fantastic, but he was fine.
1: And that's and some of the stuff that he did with some of the players that he had was impressive. You know, the fact that he was winning playoff games with Brian Hoyer at starting quarterback, it's insane. And you know, like and then
0: at Penn State he made uh what's Christian Hackenberg briefly look like yeah. a serviceable player of any kind, right. we we'll the right. jets into picking him in the second round.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Bill. I know helping helping the Patriots once again, yes. um, but you know it is it is just interesting where you look at it and say like that could be a guy, and you know when Bill when Bill came here he had a checkered pass, too. They you know there were some questions about the way he did things in Cleveland, just like there are some questions about the way Bill O'Brien did some things in Houston. So I'm not saying that Bill O'Brien is going to be that good, but like but he could be that next guy. Gerard Mayo could be that next guy, right? And so, but again, they're a few years away.
0: Could be Josh McDaniels, depending on how things end up right. going on out there in Vegas. Oh, but
1: but if things don't if things go the way that they that they might be going in Vegas, you may not want Josh McDaniels as your as your just head have, coach. That's the good. How about Josh
0: McDaniels, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge um, quartet at head coach? They'll yeah, the duties for yeah, way. right. That'd I think great. we're all gonna love that one. Yeah, right, right.
1: So just pick someone, pick someone to blame. Um, but anyways, <laughs> look, you know, and I think don't give up on this team yet. Do not give up hope on this team yet. They're still in it. I know it hasn't looked pretty at all, all the time. I know that, but like, they're still there. There are a few plays away, you know, and I think, I think if this team can make some of those plays, instead of missing out on some of those plays, if they can make some of those plays. You're going to see a team that's going to be able to perform uh, and, and stay, you know, and make a game out of every game they play in. Right. Mm-hmm. And that includes if they get in the playoffs and they have to go to, you know, Kent Buffalo, City or something? Cincinnati? Going to Buffalo would be not would be bad. But if they had to go to Kent City or Cincinnati. If
0: you, if you have to go to Buffalo, you you might just end up staying there a week. <laughs> right. You're going to go up there play them twice in two weeks and see what happens.
1: Right, right. It's true. So
0: I'm not I'm not ready to give up hope on this team yet or anything. It's
1: No. No, and I, and, I, and again, I don't think we should. I don't think we should, and I think they're there. We're seeing a little bit of progress in the last few weeks, which is good. Mac finally had a had a turnover worthy play. It was his first in three weeks, um, which I think is good. I think that's a good thing that that he he's gone that far. He's come out of that slump that he was having at the beginning of the year. Still hasn't been great, but he's I looking think
0: back at- to that. I, I tweeted something at the beginning of the year about how Mac had however many picks, however many games, and there are plenty of sophomore quarterbacks that started that way and then cleaned it up down the stretch. And right, I remember getting a lot of hate for that, but I want to collect my I was right yeah. now. Go ahead. This is four straight games now without an interception. Yeah. Since since those first three games, he has I think one pick, and that was in the Bears game. Right. Right. And that's when he got benched and all that and was injured. So since since fully recovering from that injury, he has not thrown a pick. And I don't think he's been perfect. I think some of that is luck, but that's also just interceptions. Right. They're not going to catch every turnover worthy throw you make.
1: Hundred percent. And my thing is this, right? And I talked about this right after the game. Devontae Parker drops that touchdown in the end zone. Kendrick Bourne has a ball in his hands. Now, those are both in the last drive of the game. I get that. But those are highlight real plays. That throw to mm-hmm. Devontae Parker was a legit throw in the double coverage. He hit him in the hands. The throw to Kendrick Bourne on the right sideline where he's scrambling around and finds Bourne, mm-hmm. Bourne's going to pick up 25 yards in that play. And that's one of those where, and again, I know the game's over, but that's one of those where like, Mahomes makes a play like that, makes a play like that, and people go nuts because he's running around for his life back there and he has he has the you know he's calm and cool and gets it to the guy that's wide open right and so um it's 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 one of those things where it's like yeah okay it hasn't looked great but it's also not quite as bad as maybe it seemed you know
0: yeah that's that's how i agree i don't I don't. Th- I don't feel any different about this team right now than I did coming out of the bye week. I don't think we've. I don't, really don't think we've learned anything over the last three weeks. I think we've actually seen very similar performances all three weeks, just against right. different right. quality opponents.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, anyways, so that's it. That's our spiel. Don't lose hope. We're still there. We're still in playoff contention. They just got to go out and win on Monday night. So we'll see what yeah. happens. But um, all right, final segment. Here we go for something we think you'll really like. This week
0: in sports history.
1: All right, sir, would you like to go first? Do you want me to go, or what would you like to do?
0: I can go first here. All right, do it. I'm, go- I'm going for a little Monday night inspired Ooh, trivia right. with this one. Um, on the, It'll be six years to the day Monday night was New England's last home win on Monday night football, that 2016 game against the Ravens.
1: Ah yes. Oh, you know what? I actually sat on like in like the front row in that one, right behind the Patriots bench. I got some pretty yeah. cool seats for that one.
0: If I remember, didn't Shea McClellan make a really good play in that one?
1: He did. I don't know if it was a pick six, but he had a great play in that game. You're right. Did
0: he? Did he block a kick? Yes, he did.
1: Was it he a block did. kick? Okay. Yeah,
0: he blocked a Justin Tucker uh, field goal there. Patriots got a safety early in that and, one too.
1: And yes, the other Matt's right about a long bomb to Hogan on that play too. Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, I I remember watching that game. I watched that. We had had an on-campus bar in college. I remember watching that there. (laughs) That's awesome. Love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, that was – I had tickets. A friend of mine had tickets and was like, hey, uh, you know, I got an extra ticket down here. My father's going. Like, he doesn't have anyone to go with. Will you sit with him? And I'm like, sure. We, like, sat literally a row behind – we were, like, right behind the Patriots bench, which is cool. It's a terrible place to watch a game because you just can't see anything. But um, but it was cool being there, you know, mm-hmm. so anyways. All right. So mine is that was a good one. Mine is uh, December 8th, 1940. It was the National Football League Championship in Washington, D.C. The Chicago Bears beat the Washington Redskins that's- 73 to nothing. It's the most lopsided victory in NFL history. And the first NFL title game broadcast on national radio.
0: That's that's a great game right there. I, I, I love
1: football, yeah. My goodness! The original Swaragami. you got it. Yeah. See,
0: so all <laughs> right, so we got we got that one, Pat. Now, do you know who played in the most lopsided game in college football history?
1: Mm, nope, I don't know. I don't know jack about college football. Is it BC?
0: No, 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 no. 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 It's okay. the. It was Georgia Tech over Cumber, Cumberland. Yeah,
1: of course. raising
0: that, has got it there. Of course, two hundred and twenty-two to nothing. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'll uh. There's a I think it's a John Boyce video on that game, uh, which is just hilarious to watch and tells all the little stories about what happened and why it happened. Yeah, there we go. Team Crazy, <laughs> the comment about what I'm saying. Yes, I'll send that to you after this. Pat, you have to watch okay. it. It's the, everything about that game is as funny as you think it is.
1: That's unbelievable. When when was that game played? Early 1900s. Like uh, Early he,
0: Heinzman himself was the coach of that Georgia Tech team. Jesus. That's, yeah, that's and just Cumberland, rude. Cumberland no longer fielded a football team.
1: That they, ended their program.
0: No, the team had disbanded that season, but they had previously agreed to play the game.
1: Oh my lord. That's because, outrageous.
0: So they Cumberland had killed Georgia Tech in baseball the year before. And Georgia so Tech, Georgia said, Tech. No, we're playing this game. You agreed to play it. We're playing it. They paid them extra to come play. That's a whole bunch of random guys who came out with. It.
1: That's outrageous!
0: What a ridiculous, what
1: what a ridiculous game! Uh, I have one more, and it's a recent one from December ninth, uh thousand eighteen. Tom Brady passes Peyton Manning for the most touchdown passes in NFL history, with five hundred eighty two, with three touchdown passes, uh, losing to Miami.
0: I was, gonna say, is that the, I, I was going through like this Dayton in Patriots history recently or this week, and there's not a lot of good stuff. No, there isn't.
1: No, no. It was, it was a loss of Miami, but he did break. Uh, he did break the record. I believe. If I'm correct, I believe that that was the the Miami Cordero. miracle. I, I believe, believe it
0: was. And did he break that? He had that touchdown of to Cordero Patterson down the seam in that game.
1: Yes which he was, did with was was an that. absolute seed. Yeah, I think that that was the I think that was the last one, but I don't yeah, remember.
0: Which that that's one of my favorite Brady throws. It's a shame oh, that game ended up as a loss because that was just a dime.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, but uh but yeah, that's that's a good one as well. So,
0: Yeah, I don't recognize the Miami Miracle by the way. In my head the Patriots won that game.
1: I mean, you know, what's so funny is that JC Jackson JC Jackson is the is the sole person that is responsible for the Miami miracle. If you that watch that, if you watch that play again, he starts out outside and all he has to do, all he has to do is just protect the sideline. If he just protects the sideline, mm-hmm. he has two opportunities to protect the sideline and he doesn't do it both times. And instead he chases, he like chases the ball carrier inside like going, for some reason. Like and he's like running around in circles. in circles. What are you doing guy? Just yeah, stay on and the outside. Like, yeah. And it was just one of those things where it was like, you know, they law. Of course, Gronk has the bad angle and Gronk should have been out there Mary anyways. But, but yeah. Well, because, you know, they figured Hail Mary. But um,
0: you got to know, it. Yeah. they were on like their own 25 or whatever. <laughs> Hail yeah, Mary. yeah. What a
1: wild, what a wild finish the game that was. But, anyways, yeah, it, funny, out of my memory. Funny story about that game. I went to go pick up my daughter. My father was driving me to pick up my daughter at, because uh, we had been hanging out watching the game but she had to be picked up at Girl Scouts. So I'm, I'm driving to pick her up at Girl Scouts, and I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. The game's basically over. I got to go in and pick her up. And I go in and pick her up, and I come in the car, and he's like, they lost. And I'm like, they what? What do you mean they lost? Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, what?
0: How is that even possible? So, yeah. 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 Hey, yep. end, this, end this on a good note. Today, the 8th is the anniversary of that Pat Browns game in 2013 with the uh, late Ooh, comeback in, yes. in the final 109 or whatever it was.
1: That's a great one. That's Shout a great out to
0: Kyle Arrington for recovering that onside kick.
1: It's crazy. That, Patriots that, 20, a legend. that 2013 year was insane. They had like three or four home games like that. They had that game. They had the Broncos game. They had the uh they had some great ones. So yeah.
0: this is this is what made me think of it. The random right. highlights account tweeted that earlier. That's actually. a
1: great account. It's a great account. Love, love that. So Absolutely love that. But all right, that's what we got. Uh we'll be back Monday night after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, as always, to do an instant reaction podcast. We appreciate you guys coming with us. Long show tonight, but had to be done. Had to be done. We had to get Ty on. Ty's great. Uh, you know, get on, get on to his website. All right. And um and, and subscribe there. And again, as he said, if you do an annual subscription, right, if you do an annual subscription, he will send you a signed copy of the Blood and Guts. Like, come on, dude. Like, that's – what more you do, do you, it. Need? So, you do? So do don't, um,
0: don't wait any longer. Go do it.
1: Right, right. GolongTD.com is, is the name of the website. So, and again, he's got that article about Matthew Judon coming out uh, on Friday. This is getting released on Friday as well. And uh, we'll be there. Thanks for, for Team Crazy Matt helping us out. He's like our stat guy. He's like yeah. the, uh, he's like our intern. I love it. It's great. He's yeah. always got the stats.
0: Yeah. From one Matt to another. Thank you.
1: Yes. Yes. If I have the, uh, if you know, if I have ever a question, I know oh. that either you'll come up with the answer or the other Matt will come up with the answer because you know, a, uh, a, a walking encyclopedia over there. So I, I really appreciate it. So, so all right guys. Well, thank you very much for listening and, uh, and we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday.